Hazy Podcast is brought to you by EK the DJ and Michael Reed. Join them each season as they discuss the adventures contained in various audiobooks. This season, they'll be providing reactionary commentary on the So I Got Hazed audiobook by Michael Reed. Chapter 17. Hot and Hostile. November 8th. Little Plant of Horrors. Mitch brought us a habanero plant to take care of. It was given to him by his mom and was from Brazil. He also brought us a ton of jars of habanero sauce that had been sitting in his mom's basement for years. Over the next few weeks, we tried to murder the plant without making it obvious. This plant survived everything we threw at it, which made it even more terrifying. We tried drowning it in water, hiding it in a dark closet, and starving it of water. But it just got bigger and stronger. It was feeding off of our hate. It was made of pure evil. They could write horror movies about that plant, like Little Shop of Horrors meets a Pledge's Stomach. The brothers joked and said that they were going to cut clones from the plant to make more. It had to be stopped. On the night of November 8th, we ate so much hot sauce, we thought we were going to die. What kind of fraternity gets a habanero plant? Makes the Pledge's take care of it. The hot sauce thing, I, I like. I get it. It's torture, uh, and there were so many ways the hot sauce torture was used against us. Uh, the 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 worst experience wasn't for me. Was not what was supposed to be the worst experience. It was the straws. The straws in the ice cube trays, uh, where you had to take them up your nose. So it would be bourbon on one side and then hot sauce on the other. And then you would take them up your nose? Yeah, it was horrific and horrible. That is pretty horrible. I don't remember doing that. We poured them. (laughs) November 9th. Habanero Heave. On the way to class, I couldn't contain myself. I had to puke. I puked on the grass outside a building. It burned and tasted like habaneros. After I brushed my teeth a few times, I still couldn't get the taste out of my mouth until the afternoon. See little short stories. Little short stories surrounded by one big story. One encompassing. The The big story is a good one. It is. I still can't get over that you had to do the trays up your nose rather than just drinking them. That sucks. I don't remember who made me do that. I can't I can't for the life of me remember which brother it was or whose house it was at. Was that during that event, the first event? Fox and Hounds? Oh no, no, no. This was a standalone thing. I feel like it was a punishment. I don't remember what it was a punishment for, but I something something tells me that something tells me Chippy and I were in trouble for something. November 9th, Chasing Movies. When we found the audiovisual section of the library, we never complained about library time again. We were able to watch endless DVDs in our own individual cubicles. We'd watch movies for the entire library block or bring our own. At the time, I was still enrolled in the first program, so I had more than an ample amount of time to study. 
There were times while we were watching movies that John was so high that we'd have to whisper shout at him to shut up because he'd be laughing so loudly to Family Guy. The librarians were not very fond of us. It was great because we were hidden from the fraternity brothers. This was until LT came looking for us. On this fateful night, LT swung by the library and wanted to see how we were doing. When he didn't find us in the fourth floor study room, he started looking around the library for us. Eventually, he found us in our audio video cubicles. Oh, hey Schmegs, what are you doing down here? None of us said anything. I was watching Chasing Amy, and LT ruined it. What are you guys doing down here? We reserved the fourth floor study room for you guys. He sent us back up to the study room. I was pissed because I didn't get to finish the movie. The fraternity could even ruin library time. We were always hating it. It didn't matter where we were. Can I just tell you how much I hate that phrase, hating it? How much I always hated that phrase, hating it? You bitches are going to be hating it. You schmegs are going to be hating it. Yep. Oh my god, I hated that phrase. That's sort of redundant, don't you think? Ugh. Yeah, that's all of the things in the book were the words and tones and everything used at the time, right? So I'm I'm happy that you dislike the overuse of that phrase because that's exactly well, because how it was, it at the was time. overused. Yeah, that's the thing. Like they they told us every day we were going to be hating it. Oh, you guys are going to be in the basement on Monday and you're going to be hating it. Ugh. Surprise, I already am, you know. <laughs> Tell me. November 9th, Mud Squawks. After we got out of the library, James and I went to Chippy and Eric's apartment to smoke weed. It was a Tuesday night, and we didn't have any events scheduled. While we were there, I got a call from Doug. He said that I had to come over to his house. James was cleaning dishes for Chippy, so he got to stay at Chippy's house and smoke weed. I walked over to Doug's house by myself, and when I was almost there, Calamander spotted me from the Delta Mu backyard. It was the sorority house that was neighboring Doug's house. He was drinking with the same three gorgeous girls that had rescued me earlier in the month. I was so embarrassed. I knew he was going to haze me before I was even able to go to Doug's. He told me to do push-ups, so I did a bunch, no problem. When it comes to hazing, it's never good enough. The hazer just wants to push it to the limit. It's worse when there's an audience that has suggestions for the shit you're going to be forced to do next. He told me to do squawks, and I argued that my shirt would get muddy. I ultimately ended up succumbing to his demands and doing squawks. He told me to start doing squawks in a large mud puddle outside the Delta Mew house. He and the girls got a great laugh out of it. Eventually, I couldn't lift my arms anymore and had to stop. He came over to me and told me to start doing more squawks. He said because I stopped, I was embarrassing him. I lied and said the squawking was hurting my balls. He asked what I was talking about. I lied and said my balls had swollen up from fucking too much. He said he didn't believe me and told me if I didn't keep going, I'd be blackballed. I did as he said, and I performed terrible squawk after terrible squawk. My arms were so tired, I just kept belly flopping into the mud. Eventually, the three girls didn't find it as funny anymore and went into their house. Callum told me that I could go home, so I didn't even bother going to Doug's house. I turned off my phone and ran back to the dorms to take a shower 
and clean my clothes. Imagine how confused Doug was. He's like, I swear I called that guy like 45 fucking minutes ago. Like, he's only two streets away. Where the hell is he? Meanwhile, some other brother snagged me outside of his house, made me do a bunch of shit in mud puddles, and then right. sent me home. You got hijacked. Exactly. When I woke up later in the night, Doug had left voicemails on my phone, telling me I was blackballed for not coming to his house. Blackballed. Yeah. So you never showed up. <laughs> You're blackballed. The, the threats of being blackballed. But they I was hijacked. Wanted, they always wanted more pledges in the fraternity. I learned that real quick. It was uh, that whole threat of blackballing. That was really just a threat to keep you in line. See, that's always what I had heard until we blackballed our first person. And then I was like, oh, shit, you did it right at the end, too. What a waste of somebody's time. But, like, weren't you guys involved in that choice? Yes. I mean, that's not, the point. Not necessarily me personally. It's a group decision, right? So if two people right, blackball at the end, that's it. Right. What I'm saying is, like, if the pledge class itself doesn't want their pledge brother in. Yeah, I mean, you, you could always just drug them and then they would miss <laughs> out on everything. <laughs> oh, gosh. Womp, womp. November 10th, 911 challenge. On this day, our pledge class had a meeting at LT's house where LT said he had a present for us. LT told our pledge class that with Thanksgiving break coming up, the fraternity wanted to try to squeeze in a couple of events before we had to leave. This meant that the erratic schedule we had grown so fond of would be shifted again to suit our hazers. LT said that we were going to Virginia Tech for our 911 hot wing challenge. LT's news came with an upside. LT presented us all with rasta colored cotton SIG H letters. He told us that they weren't the official silk letters. However, they were a symbol of how hard we'd worked so far. To us, the letters symbolized that LT thought we were all ready to reach the finish line. Otherwise, he wouldn't have bought them. We didn't care if they were official or not. The fact that a brother was giving us any shirt that said Sig H on it was so exciting to us. The sense of accomplishment I felt from getting those letters was unparalleled up to that point. There was always one person that needs to point out the flaws of a gift, though. This is when Tony took his cue and asked, Are these supposed to be Rasta colors? LT looked at Tony. Yeah, why? The colors are backwards, Tony said. Shut the fuck up, Tony, John shouted. We love the Mel-T, thank you, I said. You guys are lucky you got anything. I used my own money to buy these for you. I'm not a fucking stoner like you guys. I just thought that it would be thoughtful. Besides, in a mirror, they'll be in the right order. Be grateful, Savvy, LT said. They were backwards, though. They weren't if you looked down. No, they were still backwards if you looked down. My brain doesn't read things like that. We looked at our letters with thankfulness and listened to our instructions for our next event. I was stoked about the 911 challenge because hot sauce was in my wheelhouse. I wanted to set a fraternity record for eating the hot wings the fastest. These were the hot wings that some brothers talked about in their interviews. 
They said there were a few brothers in every pledge class that couldn't finish their wings, and some claimed they were impossible to eat. Other brothers lied to us and said they ate their wings the fastest. Those were the wings I wanted to conquer. When it was time to leave for the event, we piled into the cab of Eric's truck as usual. It was a long, exhausting drive because even though it was nice outside, it was hot and cramped in the bed of the truck. 17 years later, I would still be able to dominate any wing competition against any of my brothers. There might be a few Marines here and there that might still have <laughs> iron stomachs, but other than that, like, let's go. It's funny how many mics I know that have iron stomachs when it comes to hot sauce. Yes, and a silver tongue, I think, helps, because then you don't taste as much. The truck didn't have air conditioning, and the cab became a sweaty schmag cesspool. We slid around a lot, and a few of us started to feel carsick. I wondered if that's how dogs felt when they were in the cabs of people's trucks. When we finally stopped, we piled out of the vehicle and took in the scenery. Attractive young students and happy townsfolk were milling around the town. When we had gone to Virginia Tech for our photo scavenger hunt, we didn't have a lot of time to stop and look around the town. It was unfortunate, because the town of Virginia Tech is way bigger than the town of Radford. It has almost three times as many students as Radford, and at the time, had a lot calmer of an atmosphere than Radford as well. We stood in front of the entrance to Sharky's restaurant. The building's entrance was quite large and intimidating, mostly because we knew what laid on the other side of the front door. We were ready to destroy the challenge. On paper, the event was going to be easy, considering we all knew the event was over once we all finished the wings. Before we walked in a Sharky's wing and rib joint, I took off my letters because I didn't want to get any sauce on them. I didn't want to throw them in the back of Eric's truck, but I knew my hands would have hot sauce on them, and I couldn't let them get ruined the same day I got them. I asked Eric if he could hold on to them for me. He gave me a little shit, but ultimately, he let me toss them in the back of the truck anyways. Nobody noticed that I didn't have my letters on, so I didn't have to worry about them getting stolen by a brother. The brothers were so excited about the hot wing challenge. That's all they cared about at the time. When we walked into the restaurant, we were the only customers there, just the 15 of us. The interior of the restaurant was very rustic, and everything inside was wooden. There was a wide wooden staircase a few feet in front of the entrance. That You definitely set the atmosphere when you come into a place with 15 people, and it's dead before that. And everybody's rowdy and young, and it's like mid-afternoon, morning time. We're like, woo! It's about to be a blast. Led upstairs to another section of the restaurant. The bathrooms were also by the entrance to the restaurant. I scoped them out quickly so I would have a place to sob after the event. The main restaurant was to our left, and it wrapped around the building behind the front stairs. When we came in, we changed the atmosphere from an empty, calm college restaurant to a 15-man hazing ritual. We were invited to take our seats at a very long table. Before our arrival, the staff had already put together six tables to make a larger table. Even though we had tons of table space, there were still brothers that ended up standing to watch the event. Every few minutes, like all our previous events, a different fraternity brother would show up late and frantically come through the entrance of the restaurant and say, Did I miss it? The waitress finally came to the table and asked, so you guys are doing the hot wing challenge today? LT answered yes for us, and then the waitress broke into her disclaimer speech. Okay, fellas, 
I'm going to let you know the rules for the 911 challenge. You have five minutes to complete the challenge, and you cannot drink any liquids during the challenge. When you finish, you may have as much milk as you can afford. LT interrupted her and said, they will be sharing one small jug of milk. The waitress smiled and corrected herself. One small jug of milk it is. When you guys are done, we'll check to make sure you've stripped the chicken bones clean. If you have, we will award you with a Sharky's 911 shirt. These wings are already hot, but they are going to be extra hot because someone in your fraternity works here and has been preparing the sauce for you guys. Oh God, I thought to myself, all the stories of a brother working at this place were true. I thought that it was a joke and that they were just trying to make it seem like the wings were much hotter than they actually were. Turns out, the joke was on us, or me in particular, since I thought they were lying. The Sig H brother that worked in the kitchen at Sharky's had been preparing all week for our arrival. He had been soaking four special batches of wings in their signature Sharky's atomic hot sauce all week. It was going to be quite the event. After about ten minutes of talking amongst ourselves, and the brothers trying to scare us, it happened. The temperature changed, and it instantly became humid in the room. This wasn't the regular humidity you'd feel before a rainfall or on a hot summer day. The room was stuffy, and we could hardly breathe. This was the humidity created by the hottest sauce I'd ever smelled in my entire life. We were ready for a hot wing challenge, but as soon as their aroma hit the room, we knew we were in for a burning sensation for the rest of the day. Two wooden doors that led to the kitchen swung open. The chef and waitress walked out together. The waitress carried out two baskets of wings. She held them as far away from her face as she could, and she was wearing blue latex gloves. The chef didn't help carry any of the baskets out. He simply wanted to see us before and after the event. He said that he wanted to see the progression of pain in our faces. The waitress set the two baskets down, one in front of John and the other in front of James. They both turned to pale white and sickened, as the hot taste drafted over their lips. The sauce on the wings was so hot, they couldn't even keep their faces over them. The brothers backed away from James and John, because the taste of the smell was too overpowering. Tommy Too Fast even said, I don't know how the hell you guys are going to finish those. They smell so hot. The waitress told us that she wore gloves, because once the sauce was on your skin, it took a lot of scrubbing to get it off. She said she didn't want to accidentally taint anyone's food with the hot sauce later in her shift. She went back to the kitchen and returned with two more baskets. She set the baskets down in front of Tony and I. Now all four of us were ready to start the event. James and John were involuntarily crying from the wafting smell they had to endure while Tony and I waited for our baskets. It was like a searing eye burn. It just filled the room with like that. I remember I, it's like an acrid, thick, acidic, like m musky smell. <laughs> I, I remember it like it was so like it was like a chalky paste with a red, like an orange nuclear reddish glowing look to it. It was terrible. Oh, I love that 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 description. Yes, your body is telling you to get out of the room. My 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 mouth is watering from just describing <laughs> it. I'm not and I don't want this taste. I don't. I could just That's ugh. a defense mechanism. At this moment, I still had the confidence I was going to crush the event. The waitress stood by our table and told us that the event could start whenever we wanted. LT stood up and gave us a brief, empowering speech. 
He told us that all of the brothers before us had completed the challenge, and we would do the same, not that we had a choice. LT also said that whatever we didn't finish eating at the event, we would take back to Radford to eat later. No matter what, we were finishing our wings. For us, that meant it would be in our best interest to finish the wings during the challenge, rather than later at the fraternity house. LT reminded us that we were in a public restaurant and there was no puking at the table. When LT finished his speech, he told the waitress we were ready, and they started the timer. My eyes were watering so much that I could hardly see. I tried not to breathe, and it seemed to make it slightly better. I grabbed the biggest wing first and took four large bites out of it. I twisted the wing between my fingers like a piece of corn. After I'd stripped the meat off the outside of the bone, I poked the piece through the middle and ate it too. Once finished, I stuck the wing in my mouth and cleaned the meat off each end as well. One wing was down, and there were many to go. I kept my head down for the first few wings, maintaining complete focus. I wanted to finish the event quickly and set a record to be proud of. The wings were some of the hottest things I have ever eaten. I tore through the wings until the hot sauce overwhelmed my face and hands with a burning sensation. I took a few seconds to try and recompose myself. I wiped my face off with my wrist, but then it started burning my skin. There was no mitigating the hotness of this sauce. The brothers encouraged each of us to continue eating quickly. They had to cheer a lot more calmly because we were in a restaurant, but the underlying intensity was still there. I lifted my head to see how I was doing in comparison to my other pledge brothers, and it didn't look good. They were barely getting any wings down. Each of my poor pledge brothers were taking more than 10 seconds on some wings because they were so hot. They didn't realize the slower they ate them, the harder the challenge was. Each of my pledge brothers were experiencing their own hot sauce hell. Snot was hanging from John's nose after just a few wings. It was pouring snot back into his basket. His face was beet red. It was fucking gross. Like, it was just like snot just pouring from his nose back onto the wings. And I'm like, alright, don't watch was that. Was I eating with you guys? You were watching. I wasn't eating with you guys? No. 1,000% no. Not, I did not finish. Oh, well, I don't know how you escaped out of that one, but that's impressive. I have no idea either. And he was already slowing down. I could tell that this was the hardest event for him by far. He was incredible at the physical challenges, but not the consumption challenges. That was my forte. John looked at me and laughed in pain. He asked, How the fuck are you eating those so fast? They're burning the inside of my face. I feel like a chicken is about to come out of my head. Tony was even further behind than John. He had only polished off a few wings and looked like he was mentally done. He kept saying how hot the wings were and it started to take a toll on the group morale. After Tony ate another wing, he started gagging and grabbed a metal bucket off the table that was for chicken bones. He held it under his face to puke into. Everyone started yelling at him. Don't do it. Don't you fucking puke, Tony. If you puke, then it's game over for you, and we'll save the wings. I looked him dead in the eye and said, You got this, Tony. Do not puke. He knew I meant it, and that I wanted him to succeed. I may have called him too slow a lot, which wasn't nice, but when I used his name, he knew that I was in his corner. It was Tony versus the chicken wings, and the chicken wings had him against the ropes. When I looked at James, he looked like he was not having it at all. He was hardly eating his wings. He looked like a displeased first world child on Christmas Day that hadn't gotten the gift he wanted. 
He was in utter discontent. His mouth and chin were completely covered in the atomic hot sauce of doom. I could see him trying to wipe his hands under the table, but it was pointless. There was more sauce on James's face than any of the rest of ours combined. Once the sauce was on his skin, it was game over. He'd need to spend some time washing it off after the event. Wiping it only made it worse, and spread further. I couldn't focus on my Pledge Brothers anymore. I had to finish my wings, so I could sit back and chug some victory milk, or at least one quarter of a small jug of milk. I kept powering through the wings and my nose started running. There was no stopping it. I used the upper part of my forearm to push against my nose, trying to somewhat plug the stream of snot that was going to pour down my face. I didn't want to snot in my basket like John. The cheers of the brothers were the last thing on my mind. At the forefront of my mind was getting down the last few wings. My mouth was so hot by that point that I could barely even handle the burning sensation. It was almost numbing. Not only was my face numb, but my body was also uncomfortable, and sitting still was very difficult. I took another glance around the long table and back down at my wing basket. There sat one final small wing left and a pile of completely stripped bones. I peered out a three-panel window in the restaurant that looked outside onto the street. In my mind, I was finished. I pictured myself being in the same restaurant a few months from the event and seeing the next pledge class eat wings. I could picture myself saying, I finished them in less than two minutes. You can do it, pledges. I grabbed the final wing and gobbled it up. I'm done, I said. The waitress was already standing over my shoulder when I was eating my last few wings. I thought she was ready to raise my arm in victory. When I finished the last wing, she said, move some of the bones aside so I can make sure you've eaten them all. I moved the bones into a neat row and smiled at her. She said the words I had been waiting to hear. Congratulations, you've finished the challenge. You were fast, too. Just under two minutes. I have a shirt for you, but you probably want to drink some milk and wash your hands before you touch it. I reached for the milk, but I didn't want to be a milk hog. I drank a little less than my share and put it back down on the table. I stood up to leave the table, and LT said, Wait for your pledge brothers to finish before you go wash your hands, Two Strike. Oh man, that was such a like shot to the heart when LT was like, "Sit back down." It's like, oh no, but I finished fast. I have to go. I have to. I have to clean my hands. Yes, I must clean hands. I wanted to kill LT, and I wanted to kill my pledge brothers for eating their wings so slowly. I sat back down. A minute later, John finished his wings and couldn't drink the milk fast enough. He left half a jug of milk for everyone else. John had hot wings stuck in his braces, and he looked like he was in a lot of pain. The milk was useless. We each needed a large jug to ourselves to be effective. If anything, it was more of a horrible tease than a wonderful prize. When John finished drinking the milk, he moved his chair closer to me so we could quietly talk while the other guys struggled to finish. Fucking hot, wasn't it? I said to him, wiping hot sauce from my fingers onto any napkin or piece of tablecloth I could grab. John was also using napkins to wipe down. This was by far my hardest fucking event, man. I don't know how you were able to finish those wings that fast. I feel sick to my stomach. I want to yak, John said. With the help of the fraternity brothers, John and I cheered on James and Tony. Tony gagged for the entire four minutes of his challenge. It was really hard for Tony to get the wings down. 
His little body was instantly rejecting the hot sauce. I wondered how his stomach would feel at the end of the day. When the timer was running out, LT told James and Tony that they only had a minute left to finish their wings. Tony kicked it into high gear. Unfortunately, there was no way James was going to finish his wings. He was eating so slowly he was going in reverse. James was hating life. The ba 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 we're hating it theme song came to mind. James and Tony were both hating life. Tony finished his wings 20 seconds before the timer ended, but James didn't finish his. When Tony finished, he grabbed the jug of milk and pounded almost all of the rest of it. John and I were waiting for second sips, but there was such a collection of hot sauce and snot around the lid that drinking it was as bad as eating another chicken wing. Tony left a little less than a shot glass worth of backwashed milk in the jug for James. There was no fucks given at that point. Like, Tony was like, eh, eh, I need to drink what I can. Sorry, James. A pure dick move, but his mouth was on fire, and he could only think about putting out that fire. James didn't care. He was so defeated at that point that Tony pounding the milk was the last thing on his mind. The fact that he'd have to finish his wings at the fraternity house later was his biggest concern. Good job, guys. Even you, James. Don't worry, you'll get a second chance to finish these wings this week. Besides, we can bring you back here next semester too. Now you can go wash up, guys, LT announced. The four of us sprinted towards the bathroom. I shoulder-checked the door open and ran towards the sink. If LT hadn't made me sit there, I could have been in and out of the bathroom before John and Tony had even finished their wings. I had simmered for almost three minutes while my face burned with victory. I wanted to try and wash the hot sauce off my fingers, face, and everything else. I didn't care about my pledge brothers at that point. John was right behind me, ready to wash himself up and piss. James and Tony busted in the bathroom in the same fashion that John and I had. Even Tommy Too Fast came in because he had touched a wing and it was burning his hands. Tony went into a bathroom stall and started puking his brains out. Oh my god, he cried. It's like I'm eating them twice. It burns even more now. James looked like he needed to go to the hospital. He was pale white, except for the orange and red stains of hot sauce that covered his face. He looked like a hot sauce clown. James and I shared a sink, and John had a sink to himself. Tommy pushed John and I out of the way, so we joined James and I. The three of us were huddled around one tiny sink, using up every paper towel in the bathroom to soak up the hot sauce. We all tried scrubbing our hands and washing our faces. I say tried, because unless we had a tub of milk, nothing would have helped us. My mouth was so hot that I would have cut off a finger to get it to stop. Maybe not a whole finger, but quite possibly the tip. Or John's finger. When John took a piss, he got the hot sauce all over his dick and started freaking out. The four of us were having the worst time together. So you got one guy saying, oh god, I'm dying, in the stall, which is Tony. John's got hot sauce on his dick. James is literally in a mental disarray because he's given up. He has to eat these wings later when he gets back to Radford. He's already dying of the hot sauce. And you have me, who was sitting there for ten minutes while everybody else finished their wings and the hurrahs and all of that garbage. Not ten minutes, maybe less. And you weren't even weren't even phased. Yes. Tommy laughed at us and checked to make sure Tony was okay. Tommy said, "Wow, I don't remember it being that hot. 
I'm going to buy you guys a jug of milk for the way home. We couldn't wait for some more milk, but I think all of us just wanted to go back to campus. There, we could buy an infinite amount of drinks and food to calm our bubbling stomachs. At that moment, we were responsible for taking care of one another in our hot sauce-induced states of delirium. We all came out of the bathroom, except for James, who hung out in there for another few minutes before LT went in after him to make sure he was okay. Generally, it was our duty to make sure our pledge brother was okay, but we were all in such misery, LT took care of it for us. He came out of the bathroom with James, just about the same time that Tommy Too Fast had come back with the tiniest jug of milk for all of us to share. It was smaller than the jug we had shared at the table, but we were thankful for any milk or cooling agents we could get our hands on. John, Tony, and I took some gulps out of the tiny container and then gave the remaining half to James, who looked like he needed it the most. He looked like he needed to be put on a saline drip because the hot sauce had dried out all of the fluid in his body. James was so upset he didn't finish. He was angry at the event. We piled into the cab of Eric's truck and were driven back to campus. John, Tony, and I held our SIG H and Sharky's 911 shirts in our hands. James used the shirt he was wearing as a pillow and used the wheel well at my back to lean on. He fell asleep, even though the ride made us slide back and forth. John, Tony, and I spent more than the next hour discussing how hot the wings were and what kind of flaming shits we were going to take later that evening. After a while of listening to us complain about how hot the wings were, Eric and Chippy couldn't listen anymore. Before turning up the music in the truck, they told us that we had the night off. James would have to eat the rest of his wings the following day as punishment for not finishing. Fuck that, I'm not eating those wings, James mumbled to us. I don't think I've ever seen James so mad after an event before. He had an, a vendetta against you guys after that. Yeah, that'll happen. <laughs> no one likes uh, every event. <laughs> That's true. <clears throat> we'll figure it out, man, I said to calm him. By the time we got back to campus, we were pooped. Chippy invited us over to his house for some gravity bong hits. He told us it would make our stomachs feel better. We'd have to cut our own two-liter bottle, though, because Chippy didn't want hot sauce all over his. When we arrived at Eric and Chippy's house, Tony decided he didn't want to hang out anymore. He went straight back to campus on foot, and the rest of us went inside to smoke weed. While we were hanging out, Chippy kept threatening James with the wings, saying he was going to make him eat them that night. Eventually. Chippy's girlfriend Rachel came over, and he kicked us out of his room and closed his door. Eric had to do some homework, so he said it would probably be a good end to the night if we just left. He told us to close his door so we didn't have to listen to Chippy having sex. I thanked Eric for the Rasta letters and the 911 shirts on the same day. I pulled his door closed and said goodbye. As we were leaving, I looked at James and pointed to the refrigerator where Chippy had put the hot wings. He nodded and opened up the fridge, grabbing the wings. We left the apartment and started talking. John immediately became the sketched-out voice of reason and said, Man, if they find out we took those, they're going to make us all eat more wings. James was completely fed up with the entire situation. He looked at John and said, Fuck them. What are they going to do? Drive back up to tech and buy more? I don't think so. The three of us calmly walked outside and then sprinted up the back alley with the white styrofoam box of wings. 
We poured the wings into a sewer grate and crushed the box. We hid the trash under someone's car in the parking lot where Eric's truck was. It wasn't the best spot to stash the trash, but we figured they wouldn't go looking under cars for the box. Even if they found the empty box, it could be a box from any restaurant on our campus. Not to mention, we were dumb criminals, and ultimately it didn't matter to us. We that's that's how much James wanted to get rid of the box. <laughs> he was willing. We knew to just, you did that. He was just willing to steal it. We knew you did it. I know. And then the next day, Chippy calls us all. We were in the clear at that moment, with no witnesses or evidence. We'd just have to lie and say, we don't know where the wings went, if we were asked, and we'd be fine. The next morning, my phone rang. It was Chippy. Shit, I thought to myself, stick to the lie, and you'll be fine. Hello? I answered. Where are they, Mike? Chippy asked. John's sleeping. James and Tony may be in class, or sleeping too, I said, acting completely oblivious to what he was asking. Not your pledge brothers, two-strike. You know what I'm talking about, Chippy answered. Where are what, buddy? I asked. The chicken wings James was supposed to eat. I put them in my fridge last night, and when I checked this morning, they weren't there anymore. Maybe someone took them, and ate them. Who in their right mind would steal those flaming chicken sticks, Mike? I know you took them. And when I find out where they are, or that you did take them, you guys are hating it. Good thing none of us would have ever turned on one another, so you would never find out where they are. <laughs> Chippy said. I didn't take any wings, man, I said. I'll see you later, Mike, Chippy said, hanging up the phone. I called James and John, and told them to expect a call from Chippy, asking about the wings. Chippy may never know who took the wings, but he knew 100% that a pledge was the culprit. No man or woman in their right mind would steal those wings. Even a drunken vagrant wouldn't eat those wings. The challenge was over, and all the wings were disposed of. Whether James finished the event or not, we worked as a team during and afterward to make sure the event was completed without any further hazing. Unless someone confessed to our chicken wing thievery, we were in the clear. With one more event down, there weren't too many to go until Hell Week. That was a good event, I think. Yeah, yeah, it was a, that was. I think that was a good event for everybody involved. <laughs> so then, following that event, this is what happens next. November 11th. That's not a knife. Samantha and I bumped into one another on campus, and she demanded we hang out. She dragged me to her room like an animal in heat. It felt pretty exciting to be used for my body. It didn't take her long to get what she needed. I told her I was always there to serve if she needed me again. We left her room together because I wanted to go get high at Eric's house, and she wanted to go eat at the Dalton Food Hall. When we were waiting for the elevator to get to the 13th floor, the guy that lived in the room across Samantha came and waited for the elevator as well. Out of the blue, he turned to me and said, Today is a good day to die. Every day is a good day to die, I said to him, meaning that we have to live each day to its fullest, and if we do, every day is a good day to die. When we got into the elevator, it was just the three of us. 
When the doors closed, he pulled a butterfly knife out of his pocket and pressed it firmly against my chest. Then he asked me, Do you want to die today? What the fuck are you doing, dude? You aren't going to fucking stab me. My life is like a movie. Also, the way I'm describing this makes it seem like it's the guy from Grandma's Boy that plays the robot character. Right. Some nerd. Yeah, some emo nerd. He held the knife to my chest with a look in his eye, like he wanted to stab me but was scared. I wasn't worried, even if he did stab me. There was something euphoric still coursing through my veins from having just been with Samantha. If you're going to come at me, come at me with a large, menacing, dirty knife, not a pussy little butterfly knife. If the knife already has blood on it, that'll also help prove the legitimacy of your threats too. When the doors opened on the first floor, he folded the knife and slid it back into his pocket. The entire time, Samantha was quiet. She was in a little bit of shock. I tugged on her arm and pulled her out of the elevator. The kid walked out of the elevator and left the dorm. Imagine that that's the person in shock. I'm like, hey, hey, come on, let's go. Everything's okay. <laughs> I asked her what the hell that was about. I thought that maybe he loved mattresses and had gotten wind that I took part in a gang-style mattress shanking earlier in the semester. I asked what his name was, and she said, Lee. I told her to go eat, and I'd see her later. I went to the fraternity house to talk to Zeke. Zeke was the most gangster person I knew. I figured that he'd know how to properly handle the situation. Zeke was sitting in Kyle's room when I got to the chapter house. I explained what happened to both of them. Kyle and Zeke said that they could either have Lee beat up, or I could file a police report. I didn't want any of the brothers to get in trouble for beating him up. I also didn't want to snitch, but I couldn't imagine that asshole going around, flicking his girly knife at people and getting away with it. Unfortunately, having two strikes put me in a position where even if I was the victim of a crime, retaliating could get me my final strike. Hands were tied on this one, man. Yeah, real, real fucked up situation. The next morning, I went to the campus police station and I filed a police report. And that spiraled something else out of control. It's just like one thing leading to another thing leading to another thing. Yeah, that's uh, the story of this story. And that's that's how the next chapter will begin. So Love it. after our hiatus, we just nailed it coming back. Yeah. So tune in next week. So we have three episodes to edit that we'll release and people will be dying for them. All, all, all one people. My mom. Hi, mom. There are subscribers. Hmm, interesting. I have analytics. Thanks, subscribers. We enjoy you guys. 